This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I am so excited today to have my next guest. She's a Vietnam-born mother cancer survivor, talent strategist, motivational speaker, mindset coach, and internationally published author. She's also an advocate for mental health awareness, which is, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Uh, holistic healing and addiction recovery. She's created a platform for socially conscious, uh, a platform for the socially conscious and raise awareness for urgent need for mental wellness and self-care in corporate America and globally. Kathy Trin, how are you? I'm doing great, Tamira. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I am so glad to be here. You know, I, uh, like I was mentioning, mental health and mental wellness is so important to me. My, and I've said this many times in my podcast, my dad had mental health issues. My brother suffers from mental health issues and PTSD. And, and I, uh, I'm always such an advocate. There's such a stigma around it. And so I'm so glad that you're doing this. But what got you, you know, on that bandwagon of mental health awareness? Thank you, Tamira. Um, absolutely. Gosh, when, when people ask me about my life, there's so many parts of my life that I now enjoy talking about because I know that it helps people. I know it, it just it helps all walks of life. Um, and, uh, you know, I, from where I was to where I'm at now, um, I am uh, on, an, on top of being uh, an entrepreneur and businesswoman, I'm a healer because I have healed from a hopeless state of mind mm -hmm. and immoralized just, you know, my own personal behavior. Um, but it really started, uh, I, I started diving really deep when I was in my marriage. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go ahead and just start off with that. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm 42 years old. I'm turning 43 this year. I am a single mom. I have an, a son that is 11 years old. He's turning 12. And when I was 22 years old, I met a man. Um, and I, you know, this man was... He actually saved me, saved my life, but in turn, I also saved his. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I'll go into my own personal journey as well, but I'll talk a little bit about his and our marriage. Um, I didn't know that he was diagnosed and clinically diagnosed with bipolar manic depression. And he had been diagnosed since he was 16. And of course, when you meet someone new, nobody would want to divulge that because ultimately they don't even know you know, how to live life on life's terms. Mm -hmm. So I married, we got married a year after we met. And unfortunately, going down the path of that, that marriage was extremely difficult because he was in and out of mental hospitals. He had gotten uh, 5150 probably about 10 times. And now what is 5150 just for our listeners? Okay, so 5150 is when you um, 
are bound to going into hospitals against your will. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they deem you as being incapable and you're a danger to yourself as well as a danger to other people. Mm-hmm. So the 5150s, sometimes they would last for two weeks and sometimes they would last it for, believe it or not, for four months. They mm-hmm. would keep you in there and you're, you're a ward of the court. So my ex-husband was a ward of the court many times. And every time he had gotten released, he ended up making poor choices because, you know, when you're in there and you, you have, you take medication, um, you know, your whole life in four months in one entire quarter of your life, that it changes who you are. Yes, it does. You know, world, like your job, right? You know, you're unemployed, you're, you have to go and immerse yourself back into society. Um, but, and then on top of that, if you're adding alcohol and drugs, unfortunately, that leads you down to the path of going to jails and institutions. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, he had been incarcerated several times. Um, he had several prison terms. I've known him now for almost 20, over 20 years. And, you know, I kept on, uh, kept, stayed, stayed in this relationship thinking that it would get better, you know, and my life, um, what people saw from the outside, you know, this ambitious, young um, married woman with now a child and a big house, cars, thinking that life was normal. Mm-hmm. And life was not normal at all because I hid so many secrets. But then, when, so what, what they say in my recovery, well, in my, in my recovery journey, what they say is that you become as sick as your secrets. Mm. So I started getting very spiritually sick. I started getting physically sick and emotionally sick. And so, um, so that's ultimately that's, you know, watching someone from the outside and trying to diagnose him yourself, uh, turned into, what we call codependency and it turned into lack of boundaries for myself and not being able to take care of myself, which was, um, you know, you, a a term that I've learned a long time ago was self abandonment. Mm -hmm. Not only now we grow up with the, the mindset of being abandoned by our family or friends, but we self abandon so that we can save someone else. As long as they're okay, we're going to be okay. So that's how I lived a long, long time in my life. So that's ultimately the true beginning of the mental health journey, um, Mm -hmm. which forced me to look at myself. Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. And thank you so much for sharing that. And you're right. Someone needs to hear this and it's going to help so many people. You know, and uh, I went through something not quite the same, but similar in my first marriage, you know, where you, you kind of lose yourself and you're, you're hiding and your secrets and you're trying to let people think, you know, you think because what they know of you is, oh, she's so together, right? But you don't know that there you're hiding so many things and it does eventually make you spiritually, emotionally sick, which will manifest itself physically, you know, with the autoimmunes and the high blood pressures and the, all kinds of stuff that it show how it shows up. Stress will kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, it will definitely wow. kill you. Oh, my gosh. So is that is that kind of where, you know, because you were dealing with that with your with your husband, with your family and with your own issues and it kind of made you like just so aware of the, the need to help other people? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I'm in this relationship, I'm, you know, 22 years old, you know, in one hand, I have my family and friends calling me. And in the other side, I had police calling me all the time, doctors, therapists, psychologists, asking how my ex-husband was doing. And I just said, please just stop. And, and, and so, but that, what that forced me to do was that it made mental illness so prevalent and I I had to be so aware of my surroundings. Of course it gave me anxiety. And of course I went through bouts of depression on myself while trying to manage a full-time job, pay a $4,000 mortgage. And it was just um, a, a mental prison for myself as well as a, um, a living nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and it, and it ultimately when you're, when you are a caretaker or an observer for someone that is spiraling out of control, mm-hmm. it forces you to look at your own self because as I'm trying to diagnose this myself, right. and I said, oh, maybe it's his, his, his upbringing. Maybe it's who is his child abandonment issues. Maybe because he didn't get enough love. Maybe I should give him more love. Right. And as I'm self-diagnosing him, I started looking at my own personal journey. Yeah. And so as I'm looking at my own personal journey, here I am, I'm walking through each of these. And I started having to seek out resources for myself. So, um, yeah, so I started seeking out more resources for myself. I went to, I sp- I've spent probably over $90,000 in personal development. Mm-hmm. I've walked on fire with Tony Robbins several times. Uh, I have spent three, four days, full immersion, 72 hours, just trying to understand what was wrong with my life. Yes. Yeah. So as, I, as I started unpacking my life, and I started realizing that there's so much more. And, and I, I started getting really obsessed with my story. Yeah. Because, and, and, and the reason why I started, I'm saying that I got obsessed with it is because for so long as a codependent, I was so obsessed with other people's stories. With like his, his story, yes. His story. And all of a sudden, I had to turn around and go, oh my gosh, who am I? Yeah. And so I lost, like you said, I lost, I did lose myself. And, um, you know, and I, and I know tomorrow, like Tamara, like I know exactly what happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of just real briefly, I'll start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, when I was, uh, uh, when I was one and a half years old, two years after the Vietnam war ended, I was born in Vietnam. Um, we, our family got my, my family, which is myself mm-hmm. and my teenage parents, were smuggled out of the country. Wow. And when I say smuggled, we literally could not get caught. If you got caught, then you would get killed. And there was four attempts trying to get into this little boat, but we didn't know which boat was going to be available at the time of how much money we had ended up having. And so on the fifth attempt, by God's grace, we got onto a little boat with 41 people. And that little boat launched itself into the middle of the ocean. We went into sea with based on faith alone. Mm. The way that I describe it, and I don't think anybody else has described it this way, but Tamira, we were lost at sea for seven days. Wow. And we ended up getting attacked by pirates. When I say attack, that means that they came on board and they abducted all the children. And with 
uh, with the adults trying to beg the children for the children back. So I was one of those kids that got abducted by the pirate and I was begged to come back to my parents. So, and they took all food within the first day. They took the food, water, everything. And people were starving and we were in the middle of the ocean. And I believe in miracles, Tamira, because there's no way that we could have been saved in the middle of the night in the stormy weather by a U.S. Navy ship. Wow. We got pulled into a the first country and the country was full of of refugees already. And then we got pulled into Cambodia and they didn't let us in. We and then finally we went to Indonesia and there's yes, yes. Yep. So we were in the Indonesian refugee camp for an entire year, a year, really an entire year, four seasons. Wow. My parents were only 18 years old at the time. Can you imagine the risk that they took? It was either die or get saved, but there is no, you just don't know what's in front of you. Just like when you're in the middle of the night driving in foggy weather, you just have to make sure that, you know, you don't crash into anything, but you live based on faith alone. Let me just tell you, let me stop you, Kathy, really quick, because yeah. I don't want this this point to go unnoticed because there's so many gems in your story. I can't even, right? I can't even. There's so many gems in there. But I've always been so inspired by immigrant stories, right? And why they work so hard when they get to this country, right? Why they work so hard. And why they accomplish so many things when they get to this country is because of that story. Because it was either die or by grow by faith. And you can't make that up. You know, and so, oh my goodness. That is so powerful. I have goosebumps. I'm listening to this story. So you got to Indonesia. And I mean, as a young one and a half year old, I mean, what do you, I mean, do you remember any of this actually happening? When did, what, what point in your, at your age, do you remember what was going on? I started getting fascinated, but with my own personal journey after I got off of drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. because that was when I started feeling feelings. Yes. Yeah. And I'll get into my um, how I grew up and where I grew up and, and why I even got into drugs and alcohol in the first place. But, but I started getting really fascinated with my story. And I know because of all the trauma that I went through with my ex-husband, yeah. trauma from the wartime is in my DNA. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. It's your story. It's yes. your narrative. Yeah. Yeah. It's our narrative. It's our story, how we grew up. I can't even describe another way of describing my life, yeah. you know? And so, and so I, I started getting more fascinated with immigrants yeah. and refugees in my early twenties, mm-hmm. not when I was young because I didn't know anything. It you was basically blocking it off like the way that my parents blocked it off. Yeah. 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 Don't talk and a, about and, it. And a lot, of, a lot do. A lot of them do. They won't talk about it. Hmm. Yeah. No. So, yeah, thank you. So I'm here I am, you know, it's been, it's been a year later. Um, 
we were undocumented, of course, um, but we were very lucky. My grandmother found us. Um, she was actually living in Orange County, California at the time. She had been evacuated on the fall of Saigon on that day on April 19th. Um, 1975 when the U.S. troops withdrew they forced her into an airplane and they made her evacuate and uh, leave the three kids behind oh my god so she luckily got evacuated and and flown to Orange County California of all places wow so I'm really lucky part of my story I say look I'm I'm an OC girl you right. know like, you know, we had their shows about OC all the time, but, right. but the people in Orange County, I have to tell you, they, we are, you know, high performers, right? Because yes. there's a lot of businesses, a lot yeah. of industry out here in Southern California. Um, but we were very lucky. Uh, we got sponsored here by my grandmother and I came here by the age of two and a half. Um, I grew up in a gang infested area of Southern California. I got really used to gangs, gang life, um, but I was never a gangster myself. I was just really comfortable with the people around me. Mm -hmm. um, and I just knew as long as I was, um, uh, as long as I was friendly and nice, right. I would be okay. And so I, I, I fit in pretty much in any, any, um, any environment. So here I am, you know, I'm, I was in band, I mm -hmm. played the clarinet, um, and I was in basketball. And uh, one of the a trauma that happened to me uh, when I was 13 was I had a really major knee injury. And I was in a cast for six months. While I was in the cast, I started gaining weight. So I don't know if you know or familiar with diet pills that were called Fenfen. Fen. Oh, yeah, of course. So I ended up, was diagnosed with a little bit of obesity, and the doctor prescribed a 13-year-old girl Fenfen. Fen Fen. Oh, wow. And I didn't know how to take it. There was no, let's just say there was no instruction manual. They, nobody ever told me, say, Kathy, the doctor didn't say, hey, you're going to take this and you're going to grow up being a drug addict. Right, right. <laughs> nobody ever said that. Right. And I didn't know, I didn't know I had to eat three meals a day. Yeah, and because it has barbiturates in it or something, right? Oh, it, it has the same components as um, speed and methamphetamine. Yes, methamphetamines. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they took it off the market. It's called fentermine. So they, the, the, thus fenfen, but they took it off the market because people had heart problems and they were dying. Mm. So here I am. I'm a 13 year old girl. I started getting really addicted to these pills, but I, the, the, the sh really unique problem in America society with opiates and all that is that when you take a pill it disappears you don't smell it on your breath right you don't see your eyeballs roll into the back of your head right and it disappears like it never happened but it changes your mindset and it makes you it accelerates certain things or it will decelerate certain things right and so that's why the problem with the pills and opiates are out there right now because people don't know because it disappears and you can keep it a secret so moving into my drug journey i kept it a secret for six years 
they took it off the market and I started buying it on the internet, stealing it from friends. And all of a sudden I, I asked the doctor for prescription when my parents had back, bad back problems. So everybody had a problem and it was actually me stealing these pills. So I got into a bad pill habit, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, although I was still very studious, so I continued with my schooling. I got into college and I graduated college unfortunately um, I did catch really a bad drug habit um, in my last year of college I ended up doing meth um, and that was probably the worst decision that I ever did because that really broke me as a human being so that kind of segues into how I met my ex-husband and how he um, to the beginning of our story was how he saved my life yeah. um, was because he actually did an intervention on me and he got me off of drugs. Wow. So never. And then I basically never looked back. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's where we're at. amazing, amazing story. And then, so now that you have, you've gotten yourself clean, um, and you don't, you are actually by trade an executive recruiter specializing in accounting, finance. How did you, how were you able to navigate that? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, the then, okay, let's just say, let's go back a couple of steps, but the, but the drug, the pills that I was taking um, made me hyper. So mm -hmm. I ended up landing a job, a, a lot of jobs in the call center, um, call centers. Okay. And we were on the phone all the time. So I was really accustomed to talking to strangers on the phone. And um, by the time I graduated, almost school, graduated college, my, um, my ex, well, ex-boyfriend, he had introduced me into um, my first recruiting job. And I landed that job. And I just knew that I had a knack to, um, you know, just to make people feel really comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, whether I was, you know, a master manipulator or whatever, but I do, I always had people's best interest in mind. So it was just a really natural progression for me to get into this business. And for the past 22 years, actually, I've been, um, I'm celebrating 23 years this year. Wow. So, and that's all I knew, you know, just being, helping others. And I, and that's the reason why I love this business so much because I get to help others change their lives. And yes, I've had several glitches in my career mm -hmm. and there, there is something that I did write in the, um, actually a book that I've authored as well. Maybe we can talk about that at some point, but, mm -hmm. um, but yes, there was a, there was a trauma that happened, um, that forced me into becoming a very inauthentic human being because I was afraid that if people knew who I was, they wouldn't like me. Yeah. So I, and so all I did was become a workaholic. Yeah. And, yep. and I, and I, and I, and I guess to lack of a different, a lack of a way to describe it, but I became um, fake, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I wasn't, nothing's wrong. Kathy's right. doing great. <laughs> right. You know, and, uh, nope, I don't have a, you know, I've gotten like my fourth restraining order on my husband, but just life <laughs> is just wonderful. You know, what's funny is there's a, there's a, a GIF 
that has like this this cartoon character that's sitting there with coffee. His eyes are real bugged out of his eyes, and he has all this fire. Everything around him is like burning, and he's like, "Yep, everything's fine." <laughs> oh, that was me. Right. That was me. Oh, most definitely. And and so by the time I was twenty two years old, um, I went into recovery myself. Yeah. Um, and you know. I, uh, coupled with being in a, in a, in a marriage with the, um, with, with someone that had mental illness just really forced me to continue to do a lot of self-discovery and self-excavation and um, just journey, like journal my journey. So I did that. And um, now I have a lot of solution for women. i kind of feel like I am a resource center for any problem that you've ever had. Um, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that when you take chemical dependency away from your life, what you're left with is emotional dependency. And that is one of the biggest things that I always share with people because we're left with feelings and a lot of people don't know what to do with those feelings. And then they would turn around and it would, there would be toxic behaviors. So, you know, I, I, I coach, I'm a coach as well. And, um, life mentor. I love just mentoring young girls and, you know, just women, um, just to allow them to be, um, to understand who they are, be confident and empathetic, um, to other people as well as strong and successful. Is that what you do with your soul care society? I do. I do. Yeah. So soul care. Yeah. So soul care society. I'm really excited about talking about this because um, soul care society came from the desire to help other women. And, you know, Facebook offers these great opportunities that we can create groups and, you know, I just, I just realized that there's just so much stuff in the world that, you know, there's a lot of people that are posting negativity and all that. So it's a place where we can all be role models for each other in this world. And during, especially during this time of uh, the pandemic and it's, you know, cross-cultural engagement, um, you know, self-growth, character building and leadership and development. And how we do this is I since I'm such a natural recruiter, we've only had this um, this Soul Care Society up for less than five weeks, oh, and, wow. and you we have, have eighteen hundred women. That is amazing. Yes, because I'm such a natural recruiter, and so I enroll women into the vision of what's possible for them when they when they're a member of our Soul Care Society. And how we do this is one-on-one -on -one mentorship programs. I have already set up um, several summits and global speaker summits. Um, the first one, we had a neuroscientist, a TV talk show host, talking about their soul journey. And I believe that everybody has a beautiful personal journey. And I just wanted to create a platform so women at any levels in their lives can share their story. So that is what Soul Care Society is about. It's all about the soul journey, self-care, self-love, soul care. I love that. I love that. You know, it's interesting. 
you know, as you listen to a story, and I'm, I'm sure people listening to it, and they're like, wow, she's been through a lot in her life. And, you know, at the time when you're going through it, you're like, why am I going through all this? And why is my life like this? And, and then you hear this story, Kathy, who got through the fire, who got through all these things. And then now she's turned that, which would have seemed like hell situation or terrible into something that could almost be considered a blessing. Her, her, definitely her message is in there. Definitely. It makes her, makes, makes her journey make sense. You know, because she ends up landing somewhere with everything that she you have. So it's it's amazing. I always like to point this out to people because, you know, a lot of times I say that everything we go through is a blessing, like everything, everything. And people, you know, you might say, well, no, I, it couldn't be a blessing. It sucks, you know. <laughs> and when you're going through it, it does suck. But, you know, if you keep following the path, you know, you get to the other side and here you are, Soul Care Society, helping a lot of women, you know, um, that's just amazing. I love it, Kathy. What yeah. is your, what do you think is a way that you stay motivated? Thank you, Tamara. That is one of my favorite questions. Um, I would say that I now have distinctions of who I am, who the old Kathy, the old version of Kathy and my old life compared to this new world that I live in. And this new world that I live in is of love, of acceptance, of where people are at in their lives and of gratitude. And I am probably the most grateful recruiter or girl here in sitting between you and I right now, like, like I am so grateful, like nothing, nothing beats than to have this opportunity to live because something that I, we didn't emphasize on was life was great tomorrow. I was built or tomorrow. I'm sorry, building my businesses and, and, you know, just supporting my clients and God handed me another challenge after I thought that everything was great and we were going to, you know, we were going to just skyrocket from here. But in 2018, in March, I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I didn't even get to the cancer part. Uh, yeah, oh so gosh. I got diagnosed with cancer. And I, as soon as you're diagnosed with the big C, every, you just stop everything and dead in your tracks and nothing was as important as to get through this other to get through the day and 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 I ended up I I, I said you know what I ha I basically during my radiation treatment I grabbed all of my journals and I started breaking it down and I said if this is going to be my last rodeo, I need to write some sort of legacy to leave on to my son. Yeah. And if yeah. my son, if I don't become the, like the millionaire or like that I wanted to be, I'm going to pass this roadmap and this blueprint to my son yeah. in a form of a book that it's going to be published worldwide. So I took that for the entire month that I was sitting in radiation I broke it down. I tore out the pages and I yeah. looked like it was like a beautiful mind, that one movie. And just like 
putting the pieces of my life together. And this was two years ago. And all of a sudden I had a concept with my book. And at the very last home stretch, I said, this book needs to go into therapist office. It needs to go into recovery homes. And how am I going to write a book that's with solution? So I wrote and I, and I said, you know, and then also in the home stretch, I had a concept for this book. It's this, it's the concept of slowing down. Mm-hmm. And I, and I came and, and it was, he came out at the perfect time because the pandemic hit, I had decided I was going to go to print this thing in February pandemic hit in March. I said, let's stop with this publishing. Cause I need to get the, the, the COVID-19 story in here. So, yes. you know, two, two weeks prior to going to publish, I wrote my last chapter in dedication to COVID-19. Yeah. I had to. And I, and so we, we slow down into a place of grace, into love. And it just, I mean, obviously I, it resonates right now with everybody in quarantine. So. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. It's a lot. It's a lot, but look what you've been able to do. You put out a beautiful book called the journey. And uh, not only do you have for your science, a legacy that'll live, it'll live way longer than you have lived but you've been able to help a lot of people now and yeah i can see this happening getting in your book into all these different mental health clinics helping people with addiction and their journey and my goodness what would you what advice would you give to someone who is suffering right now through some challenges in their life and they needed to figure out the next step what would you tell them to do first so for me I know when I was going through my struggles it was really hard to reach out and Mm -hmm. ask for help whether it was your ego or you were afraid that it was going to burden your family yeah or put people into a place of fear that you were going to hurt yourself or, or you're, you're hurt yourself. So my biggest advice would be to start reaching out and ask for help. I think it's so important that we ask for help and we have to. And, and for me, when I first started getting into recovery, the phone just felt like it was a thousand pound elephant. Yeah. I couldn't even pick it up. Mm. But the, I'm so grateful that I kept on coming back into these, into meetings. I went to therapist and it started getting easier and it started getting easier. And I started making what we call outreach calls. So making outreach calls would be so important so that we can get a different perspective other than the monologue that we're monologuing all mm-hmm, day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a way of describing, uh, talk therapy uh, because the problem with humans is that we monologue stuff all day long and that's what causes the problem we get so stuck because it's the same conversation so when you go to therapist or you go talk to a girlfriend you actually take the stuff that's out inside your head and you put it out into this into this space and then you start dialoguing it so when you dialogue it actually the energy kind of shifts around with your friends and then you can come up with new ideas and you're like oh i knew that but i forgot that right and, it's like, and then finally when you, you when you figured it out you're like welcome home 
you know, yeah. it's like you're home already. So, um, yeah, and, and just keep going, you know, even when it's hard. Yeah. My life, I would say, it was hard. It was so hard. It was hard keeping composure when your son is having to be inside your hospital room, sitting next to you, holding your hand. Yeah. It was hard when I went through a miscarriage and I bled all over the place. Mm -hmm. And my son had to take me, go with me to the hospital, wow. not understanding what was going on with mom. Yeah. So it was just, it's, and it's so hard when you, you're, you're barely able to talk because my cancer was in my throat mm. and, and terrified and having the fear that I could not use my voice in my profession anymore and losing yeah that was my livelihood. Yeah. So, so fear will get you every single time. Yeah. And, um, my biggest thing is just never give up. Um, even when it's hard, even when it's hard. So good. Oh my gosh, Kathy, I've loved having this conversation with you. I know so many people are going to get so much out of it. How can we keep up with you? I know you have Kathy right c-a-t-y-t-r-i-n-h.com yeah and where else can we find you yes so i'm on instagram at kathy trend underscore underscore as well as facebook so i have a business page as well as a personal page and uh, you can find me there i love it thank you so much for being here this has been amazing and i cannot wait to do some more stuff with you yeah me too i'm excited this is exciting to me I love helping people.